good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening. Thank you very, very much for listening. I don't really want to say it's a jam-packed episode of Shoot to Jay today. We got a few things that I want to talk about. I don't exactly know how long I'm going to talk about because I feel like I could talk about some of these things for like a super long time. I want to jump right into it though. The other night, Dallas Mavericks uh, against the Los Angeles Clippers and Dwight Powell goes down and as soon as you saw it happen I, I just happened to be watching that game uh i had been watching for like maybe like 45 seconds and uh, uh that's a bit of it was probably like five minutes but dwight powell non-contact injury just kind of goes to the ground and my initial thought was all right wet spot no big deal dwight get back up it's a turnover it is what it is no they show the replay and yeah his achilles straight it was very reminiscent of what happened to kevin durant where you can like visibly see you can physically see that Dwight Powell's Achilles, uh, it doesn't exist anymore. It's not there. So Dwight Powell is gone for the season with a with a ruptured Achilles, torn Achilles tendon, whatever, whichever one it is. He's out for an extended period of time. Now, what this creates is a sense of urgency for the Dallas Mavericks to maybe fill that hole uh, at the center position. Some names that have been thrown around include Andre Drummond. Some people think maybe that's going to be Tristan Thompson. I so strongly disagree with both of those being potential trade candidates for the Mavericks. And I'm speaking here strictly as a basketball fan, not as a Pistons fan, because obviously if I'm a Pistons fan, you know what? But even then, I really don't think that there's anything that the Mavericks can package together that won't just kind of hinder their effectiveness down the stretch. Because if you're the Mavericks, really all you can start with is Tim Hardaway Jr. just to get the salaries to start to match up. And then beyond that, well, what the rumors were before was Dwight Powell might have to be involved anyways, or it's going to be Kleber that's going to have to be involved um, just to sort of fill out the salaries and sort of give Detroit another option at center because I promise Pistons fans, you do not want uh, 48 minutes of Christian Wood and Thon Maker playing the five. And unless they go small with Markeith Morris, um, at center, it's still just, it's not going to be enough. So now they're in this weird middle where they have Kleber and then they have, uh, uh, Boban. I almost forgot Boban at center. And it's so unless they're going to trade Boban, the assets just aren't going to be there is what this really comes down to. Unless you're trading Tim Hardaway Jr. And like Justin Jackson and a 2020 second round pick, because that's the other thing is they're not allowed to trade their first round pick this year. Um, because they then they would have done it in, in, in consecutive seasons. So they can't even part ways with that. That's what makes this so difficult. So unless it was some wonky three-team trade, you're not going to see it uh, be executed. And it's not even just from that standpoint. It's not even just from an asset standpoint. The Dallas Mavericks do not make sense as a trade destination, not just for Andre Drummond, but also for Tristan Thompson. We Rick Carlisle, like two weeks ago, did not spend... 15 to 20 minutes just absolutely pulverizing post-ups as an efficient form of, of, of offense in basketball today just to inevitably or eventually have Mark Cuban uh, call up Kobe Altman or Ed Stefanski and and get Tristan Thompson or Andre Drummond, two guys who can't stretch, stretch the floor at all, and they're these post-dominant players. That's not what Dallas needs. There's a reason that they won't post up Kristaps. Like, this is not how they run their offense. They don't want a clogged lane. And unfortunately, that's probably, it's not even, like, that's just what you would get with both of those players. It makes absolutely no sense for the Mavericks to pull the trigger on either of them if they're going to get a five. Like, Dwight Powell, relative to his volume, and I've said this a hundred times, relative to his volume, like, Dwight Powell is actually one of the most efficient big men in basketball. And, uh, like, I think in, the, in this season alone, I think he's had, like, four games, 
finishing with a true shooting percentage of over 100%. I still don't really understand, like, how that happens. Like, I, like, sort of understand it, but I don't really get it. Um, and, and also, true shooting percentage to me is just kind of weird. Like, it, it measures efficiency, but the stat just feels made up. You're like, well, Nick, all stats are made up. You know exactly what I mean by that. It just feels kind of weird. So I hope I'm getting through to you a little bit. Second thing I want to talk about. I was asked by Buck's Twitter to just not give this guy any credit. Just don't give this guy, the source, any sort of credibility because he flat out stinks. Now, I'm, I don't want to be arrogant. I, actually, I don't know who this guy is, but Buck's Twitter was like adamant that he's been like denounced. He, apparently, he's like even blocked by the Bucks on Twitter. But he has like 10,000 followers, I think. Like he's this guy who just like writes blogs or something. I don't really know what his personality is, what his sort of platform is. Um, but a guy from uh, Bucks or Milwaukee Media, Wisconsin Media, we can say, uh, reported that there is a chance that the Bucks are content with the idea of moving Eric Bledsoe. Now, off the bat, this is actually something that I proposed maybe three weeks ago. I don't know. It was within the last month. I said, is this something that the Bucks look at? And I think the consensus was no. And it was it was just sort of a, a provoking question. Like, I'm just sort of seeing, like, you know, what is the temperature on this take? Like, how are people going to react? I wasn't necessarily professing that this is something that has to happen. I was sort of more just curious, you know, why or why not should Eric Bledsoe be moved? Because I feel like if anybody is expendable on that team, it's probably going to be him. It's not George Hill. Um, and and that's, that's the sentiment that was reiterated by this source where he said the Bucks are, quote unquote, comfortable with the idea of George Hill uh, running the offense. A guy who's leading the league in three-point percentage, shooting like 50, 51% from three. Um, every single time he hits the floor, that dude is just pure confidence. So it's not really with, you know, out of the realm of possibility that that's sort of the rationale. Um, but I don't think that it's really a plausible outcome that the Bucks trade Bledsoe. And here's why. Because what exactly are they going to get that, A, if they're going after a player like Drew Holiday, you're going to decimate your roster in order to get him. Or B, if you're just trying to get, you know, an asset uh, in a trade that's centered on Eric Bledsoe, what are you really going to get that transcends this team into something that it's not already? Like what I said on Twitter earlier, like the only player I could kind of think of was like Serge Ibaka. I don't, I, who do you even go after with the, the salaries are so weird where you could get away with trading like, I don't even know, Eric Bledsoe and like Pat Connaughton for Serge Ibaka, like something weird like that. But that's what I mean. Like, why would you do that? Why would you meddle with, and this is exactly what I said on Twitter, why would you meddle with a team that's on pace to win 70 games? And do I think they're going to do that? No, but they won, the Bucks were what, 60 and 22 last season? That's 100% going to happen at the very least again this season. Why would you mess with the chemistry of a team who it's a I've said this before it's a it's a, it's a pick your poison team they got guys who can put the ball on the floor and and get to the basket but those same guys can kill you from the perimeter they can draw contact and they can get to the free throw line they have so many guys who are just so efficient at almost everything on the floor and defensively I've said they're gonna make you bleed the Bucks are just such an all around solid team and it's the 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 quintessential embodiment of next man up. If Kyle Korver's having an off night, that's okay. Wesley Matthews is going to be there to pick him up. If George Hill's down, well, that's fine because Eric Bledsoe's going to have a good game or vice versa. Like, you, if Giannis is having a bad game, I mean, does that really happen, though? You know, if he's having a bad game, it's because he didn't put up 40 points in, like, 12 minutes. He only had, like, 
30 points in 30. You know what I mean? Like, how bad is a bad Giannis game? And we saw them in the playoffs, no doubt. But Kawhi's not here to stop Giannis this year. So I'm not really all that concerned about it. So uh, moral of the story with these last two uh, uh, topics, don't trade somebody just to trade them. With these trades, what you'll often find is you don't want to make a move today because you can you want to sort of look ahead to the future and you don't want to jeopardize a potential deal that could be on the on the table later. And I think that's maybe what the, the Mavericks are going to evaluate is I don't even think, and just to backtrack a little bit, I think the Mavericks realize that maybe this isn't their exact window. They have how many years left of KP and Luka? Well, that window on LeBron and the Lakers is going to close within like four years, right? I'd say about four years is a safe bet that that Lakers window is probably going to close. The Lakers, I'm sorry, the Mavericks don't have to make that move now because they're not necessarily in contention at this very moment. So I don't think trading for, you know, Andre Drummond for like three months is really in longevity going to be worth it because you're going to be giving up an asset like Tim Hardaway Jr. or whatever it is that you have to give up. Because I think even if they get, you know, a guy like Tristan Thompson, I don't think they're going to pay him because... Dwight Powell's going to return, you know, whatever the time frame on that injury is, Achilles injuries are really tricky. Uh, you're probably looking at, I don't know, 10 to 12 months. I, I really don't know. Those timetables are always really tricky. It's always a super meticulous recovery process. So just even with the Bucks, again, I, there's really no incentive to trade Eric Bledsoe for something. Like, I mean, what do you, if you're going to what put a package together that lands you like Kyle Lowry, that's another thing. You're just going to absolutely eviscerate your, your chemistry and your roster, your roster, just tear apart your assets your rotations just to land this guy who like will probably put you in a better situation but the bucks are already not the best not just the best team in the east but they're the best team on the planet there's no reason there's no incentive to ruin a good thing the third and final thing that i very quickly want to cover uh i don't understand what is happening with the sacramento kings because and i I, if you watched my recap from the pistons kings game this is something that i said i'm gonna sort of expand on it a little bit I don't like to be the guy that's like, this coach is the reason that this team is bad. Unless your name is Jim Boylan, I'm never going to be like, you are the reason this team is bad. This is all your fault. And people are, you know, if, if I hate using the word uneducated, but the people who will casually watch certain games or, you know, there are some people who this is the first time they watched the Kings this year. Well, newsflash, this is not the first time I watched the Kings this year. They have the talent. Like, they have the guys. Rashawn Holmes having a career year yeah maybe it's only 13 and 8 but relative to what he's done before he's on 66 percent shooting a career high in minutes super team friendly deal it's like two years nine and a half million dollars so the value uh, of his contract almost exceeds the output like he has such a great contract it was the same thing with dwight powell by the way dwight powell has an absolutely exceptional contract for what he does on the floor um and you just man the kings have decent rim protection like c tier maybe like b minus tier rim protectors and Dwayne deadman who you know the whole he requested a trade doesn't want to be in sacramento and then they also have uh i just said it well i'm already blanking on his name this is insane i literally just said his name and i'm already i'm oh dude rashawn holmes sorry who him and marvin bagley did not play in detroit uh marvin bagley's another one uh, you have these guys who can play on the wing, these adequate wing players like Harrison Barnes. And obviously they just, they tied up like $36 million in between Harrison Barnes and Trevor Reza, And they just shipped off Trevor Reza to Portland. I know, but they still have quality guys on the wing who can, you, you can afford to kick the ball out to them. And you're not mad if they're going to take a shot. Obviously Bogdanovich might be out kind of soon. We'll see about that. You also have these two shot creators and Buddy Heald and De'Aaron Fox who 
yeah, Buddy Heald's shot selection is sometimes going to be a little bit iffy. De'Aaron Fox's free throw shooting lately has been absolutely atrocious. The King shot, I think, 52% from the line uh, against Detroit. And De'Aaron Fox was absolutely no help. You have these guys who I feel like should be making, who should be elevating the level of play that they're uh, just not. They're just not doing that. And I think some of that does fall. A lot of it probably falls on Luke Walton and his inability to properly run effective sets or out-of-bounds plays. Or even like against Detroit, they had to result, uh, resort to running a zone defense because they just, couldn't, they just couldn't do anything. And on offense, they can't get any penetration to the rim. The problem is that even, even with a fully healthy roster, if they have Rashawn Holmes, they have Marvin Bagley, the whole deal, I just don't think they're really going to outsize that many teams. So that makes pick and rolls on offense really difficult. It even makes them really hard to defend on defense. So you resort to these like dribble handoffs and these really just insanely arbitrary, like contested 13, 14 footers, just the most unoptimal form of offense. They cannot get that penetration going to the rim because they just can't beat anybody unless your name is Buddy Hield or De'Aaron Fox and you can do it off the dribble like there's just not too many guys for them that can do that and a lot of that has to do with their they're not running they're not running backdoor cuts there's no back screens there's just there's if they're spacing the floor well and moving the ball they're not hitting their open shots and that happened in Detroit and it killed them they couldn't capitalize off of turnovers if they're spacing is bad which is frequently that's when you start to see just these weird sets not even says it's just like if you're out there on a read and react sort of a, a vibe the kings just have no idea like the cohesion is you sometimes you watch them and you think that they were just put out there like this was just like day one of team usa training camp and these guys like know who each other are but like don't really know each other's tendencies it's absolutely bizarre and i struggle to understand how you solve this offense, how you solve this team, because on paper, they are way better than what the product on the floor is showing. And that's a travesty because I, I genuinely thought the Sacramento Kings were a team to watch this year. Um, and it, you know what, man, it sucks for the fans. And I, 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 I have a great relationship with a lot of Kings fans. Grant Napier is the greatest play-by-play announcer in the history of basketball. Uh, I love Doug Christie as well. You know, man, if you don't like that, you don't like NBA basketball. He said that during the Pistons game, and I almost cried. I was so happy. It stinks, man. Uh, I wish the Kings were better. They deserve better. Uh, one of the you know worst drafting teams within the last few decades. You just wish something would go right for them, um, and they have the talent. You know, they just got to put it together in a way uh, that they just haven't been able to do. But alrighty, folks, that was Shoot the J today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you made it this far genuinely from the bottom of my heart, thank you very, very much. If you have any, you know, any questions you'd like me to answer, any guests that you'd like on the show, as is customary, just let me know, and I will catch you guys in the next one.